Hey, this is Mandy and Kim with Next Talk, where we are passionate about keeping kids safe in the digital world. Did you know we have tens of thousands of listeners in 60 countries? It's truly amazing. Crazy. Only God. And as a nonprofit, everything we do at Next Talk is supported by people just like you. Be a part of changing the culture of conversation in your home and around the globe by making a donation today. Go to nexttalk.org and click on Give. And check out our resources while you're there. More than cyber parenting conversations to connect. Today, we're going all the way back to the beginning and back to some of the basics of Next Talk. Yeah, going way back, like eight years back. (laughs) (laughs) It's throwback Monday. (laughs) You know, uh, many of you know my story from my books. Um, When my daughter was in the fourth grade, she was exposed to pornography. And no screens were present. She didn't have a phone. Like, that was our solution. We're just not going to give you a phone. (laughs) Shutting it down. (laughs) Um, But a kid had watched a pornographic video at home, and he came to school the next day, and he just painted very graphic details. And here we are. My kid was exposed to the idea of pornography. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, a light bulb moment. It really woke me up. It made me realize that just not giving her a phone didn't keep her safe, you know, and and that was hard because I thought that was the answer to all of it. Well, none of my kids have a phone yet. My oldest is 11 and he has seen and heard so many things um, without even having his own device, but that's the culture that we live in. And so shutting out having a phone or shutting down having access to the online world will not protect your kid. I mean, you can delay the phone, but you cannot delay the conversations. Um, You know, and so when I found myself in this predicament, I was like, okay, we have this whole new thing to parent. You know, we have nudes, we have social media, we have all these things that our parents never really had to parent. And what am I going to do about it? I mean, I, uh, there was talk of moving to an island. I'm not going to lie, like no Wi-Fi. <laughs> I was trying to buy that island first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I searched for a solution. You know, how are we going to keep her safe through trial and error and many months of searching and digging and reading all kinds of parenting books? Mm-hmm. I found Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And that's when I knew I had stumbled upon something amazing. It says, talk when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and you are getting up. So it's four key times to talk with your kids. And actually, when I saw on the road, that's when I knew Mm -hmm. that I had found it because I had already learned my kids really like to ask me questions in the car. Yeah. For some reason, when we were alone one on one. And now I realize it's because, you know, they don't have to look at me directly. It takes away a little of the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw on the road in the Bible, it just jumped out at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, God is calling us to create a healthy dialogue with our kids all the time on the go, um, when we're at home, when we're going to bed, when we're getting up. And it was more than just lecturing them on this is sex, this is pornography, you know, like a checklist. It was way more than that. Um, I felt like God was calling us to this thing. I call it open communication or, you know, we can define it as like a whole new culture that God wants us to build in our home, like this culture of conversation. And so I embarked on trying to figure out like, how do I do this? How do I get my kids to talk to me about everything? 
I didn't really know where to start. Um, so one night I really felt the nudge by God to crawl in bed with her at bedtime, you know, so I crawled in bed, my little fourth grader started rubbing her back. And that came from, you know, Deuteronomy six, six and seven talk when you're going to bed. It's amazing how, even though the Bible was written so long ago, it is a living, relevant right now resource. Um, and God speaks to us and gives us the answers for what we're going through. And I love that you did that because I have always found that my kiddos love to talk at night. I always thought it's because they just wanted to stay up later, which is part of it. <laughs> but also, I think it's just that it takes that guard down. You're laying down, you're snuggling up, and maybe they're even a little sleepy, and they just start talking about their day or their struggles or you know things on their mind. And that's when some of our best conversations are too. Absolutely. So there I am, you know, at the start of this whole thing eight years ago, and I'm trying to figure out like, how do I build this new culture of conversation God talks about, right? Mm -hmm. And it started with one question that I asked her as we were snuggling that night in her bed. I said, what could I do better as a mom? Like, how can I be a better mom? And, you know, I kind of deep down in my soul wanted the answer of you're so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, mom. You're perfect. <laughs> I think deep down, I really wanted that. Sure. Um, but that's not what I got. <laughs> and it hurts. It hurt deeply what, what my little innocent nine-year-old said at the time. She said, mom, you're not a good listener. Yikes. It really stopped me in my tracks. It felt like a gut punch. And I remember laying there in my head, I was getting very defensive. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how much I do for you? <laughs> do you know how much is on my plate? <laughs> you know, all the things. You have food and shelter and clothes. You know this bed we're laying in? Clean <laughs> underwear. <laughs> all the things. I made this bed this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I didn't say any of it because, you know, she's trying to tell me to be a good listener. So I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> No-win situation. Yeah. Um, but... I look back on that moment and think I took to heart what she said. And I've thought about it for weeks. And it really did change who I was. And here I am, you know, eight years later, she's 17 now, and I'm still thinking about this conversation. And um, last year for my birthday, it was really, really sweet because she handwrites me birthday cards every year. She she loves to draw and she's beautiful with her words. And one of the things that she said on that card was, you've gotten a lot better at listening. Oh. You know, eight years of trying to be a better listener, and I finally got a little recognition. And you, know, you, don't do it for, you don't do it for the recognition. You know, you do it to be a better mom. You do it to be a better person. But it really brought me to tears when I saw it, you know, that she recognized my hard work. It was validation. It was a blessing for me, honestly. Yeah, of course. And so I feel like I've had this training ground of how to be a better listener. And I just want to kind of share some key things that I've learned. Um, and I and I'm continuing to learn every day about being a better listener. And as we're building this culture of communication or having open communication with our kids and family, listening is so important. So even if you feel like you're a good listener, I promise there are some takeaways here that will help you with your family. So let's get started. Number one, listening gives you more information and context. Listening is learning. So this is one of the most beneficial things I've learned over the years. 
when you talk less and listen more, you're going to figure out what your kids really think about certain topics. So you're like gathering data from their little minds. You're downloading the information that is in their heads about what they think about things. I'm not saying you can't dive into conversations to teach and guide and lead them, maybe if they're off track or their thoughts aren't godly, right? But a lot of times in that first initial conversation, I have found that listening is the key thing. And then I can go away, pray about it, think about where their mind is, and then come back with some great teachable moments or some Bible verses or some, hey, you know, you were telling me the other day that you think this, but what about this? You know, having that them see it from another perspective. This is so good because it answers some of the questions we get the most, especially from parents who are just starting on this journey of creating a culture of conversation is like, how will I know what to say? Or I don't want to overexpose them, or I don't know if they've heard about this yet. And this is the perfect answer to that in that when your kids bring something to you or when you ask them a question, if you follow up with just maybe one open-ended question and then just be quiet, your kids will guide the conversation and they will give you the context and the clues and the information you need to move forward. Like you're saying, Mandy, if your kid comes to you and they bring up the word sex and you just dive into a definition or what you think they may need to know, you may miss the fact that they just wanted to know male versus female from their science class and you've overexposed them or answered a question they're not yet really asking. So listening and gathering the information based on what they're saying, it really does guide the conversation for you and help you know how to answer better. Also, you know, listen to their actions, listen to their attitude, listen to their behavior. If you're seeing switches in that, they may not be able to communicate in words what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. but you're seeing a difference in your kid and you know them, you know, you, you know, your kid better than anyone outside of God, the creator. And so really tune into that, take the temperature kind of, of their behaviors and their attitudes. Um, you know, with, with my son, I have to listen to how gaming is affecting him. And I write about this in my, in my first book talk, you know, it's one of my greatest concerns for him. And I have to watch, is he becoming more angry because of it? Is his healthy balance out of whack? Um, And yes, we have conversations with him about pornography, sex, drugs, all those other things too. But the most of the time I spend on this one issue because I know it's his struggle. It's the one that entices him the most is the gaming aspect. And so again, it's that listening and knowing your kid, knowing their interest, knowing what makes them tick, knowing what makes them angry, knowing what makes them anxious, listening to all of that. I love that you talked about tuning into your particular kid, because I think a lot of times with with parents, uh, we have a lot on our plate, and it's easy to think that we can parent a situation the same for each of our kids, but they're all so different, and that's why this listening and tuning into what's going on with each of them individually 
will help you in your parenting because you do have to approach it differently with each one. And what affects one will not affect the other. And that changes the way you parent it. So this whole tuning in and listening to their actions and their words is so key. You know, listening is your way of gathering information. I love Proverbs 1, 5. It says, let the wise listen and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Um, you know, wise parents listen. James 1.19 is really one of my favorite parenting verses, and it can apply to any relationship, but I feel like as parents, it's so relevant. Um, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I mean, quick to listen. That's a little snapshot of, it should be a red flag alert that comes in our brain. You know, we, we say all the time when your kids are asked by online strangers for personal information, a red flag alert should go off in their brain that something's wrong and I need to go tell an adult. Well, parents, we need to have some red flag alerts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when your kid comes to you and maybe it's, hey, this is what I saw on a screen and it's pornography or they're struggling with sexuality questions, whatever it is, sometimes we just snap off because we can't believe they're exposed to so much at such a young age. And what we really need to do is just be quick to listen, gather the information, figure out where your kid's head in is in all of this, and then take that pray, process, and then come back the next day and then have a teachable conversation where you're giving scripture and input and that kind of thing. There's this quote that I've heard so many times, and they use it a lot in the educational realm. And I'm not sure who originally said it, because when I looked it up and tried to research it, it doesn't, it's not really clear. But the quote is, whoever is doing the most talking is doing the most learning. And that really resonates with me because if your kid is talking and they're processing with you and they're sharing their feelings, they're learning what's going on in their head. They're learning what God is showing them. They're learning about how to handle this situation. But if we're just talking and lecturing and going on and on and on, then we're the one processing. We're the one learning the situation. And our kid has probably tuned us out at that point. So if we can be quiet, be quick to listen and let our kids talk they're going to learn so much more. And I mean, the fact that that's biblical really is a red flag alert for us. That really is a call to action to be quiet. And that's one of the best ways that we can help our kids process. Well, and you know, we can process with our friends because I think we do need to process or with Absolutely. our spouse. And then, and then do go back and you, you, you know, as parents, that's our job is to share our opinions, share our wisdom, our life experiences. And so that's okay to do. That's, we're not saying you can't do that, but don't do it in a heated way or in a, in a lecture type rant. You know, that's what we're trying to avoid here. So we want you to instill truth and biblical knowledge into your kids, but we want to do it in a way that they're receiving it and they're hearing it and then it's productive. Timing is really key. So let's move on. Number two, listening improves your relationships. Specifically, listening will make you a better parent. I want you to think about your friend group here. You know, your adult friend group. We all have friends, acquaintances. And the ones we enjoy hanging out with the most, you know, they're the ones, they're the friends that really invest in us. They want to get to know us. They ask questions. They listen Mm -hmm. to what we're struggling with. Um, You know, relationships are a two-way street. Some friendships are not. 
you know what we're talking about. You have some of those friends who are going into a time when you're together, you're going to be the listener. You're going to be the one that is helping them walk through something or supporting them. And you probably will not get a chance to share what's going on in your life. But you know that that's what that relationship is like. But I think with the friends that where it's a two-way street and you both get to share what's going on in your life, those are the friendships you really feel close with. Those are the deep connections where you want to spend your time. Well, and when you're struggling, those are the ones that you turn to because Mm -hmm. you need a listening ear. You need a trusted friend to guide you. And so I think if we think about that, that's who we want to be for our kids. You know, we don't want to be someone that's always just lecturing and giving input. We want to be the person they can process with, ask awkward questions, be the sounding board, like be the safe place for our kids. And that requires listening. And it requires the practice of listening to the stuff that doesn't seem important. So when it does become important, they still want to come to you. Then you've established that relationship with them. Perfect example of this was when my oldest was in kindergarten and I always made his lunch for school and I'm all about the bargain and the clearance stuff. So they had this giant box of Go-Gurts on clearance at the grocery store. So I was like, yes. Go-Gurt for the win. Yes. And it never crossed my mind that he would not want Elsa and Anna on his yogurt tube. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, let it go. You know? <laughs> let it go. Eat the yogurt. <laughs> Eat the yogurt. And so my, my son is super sweet. We call him the gentle giant. Um, and he tends to just kind of go with the flow. Anyway, he came home from school one day and he timidly brought up that he didn't want this yogurt anymore. And I was trying to figure out why. And it ended up, it was embarrassing to him to have what he was saying, girl yogurt for lunch. And inside I wanted to be like, it was on sale and you will eat it. But I didn't. I listened and I heard him and I said, I totally see where you're coming from and I get it. And I didn't send the yogurt with him anymore and I ate more gogurt than I ever wanted to. But him knowing that he could tell me something that was really embarrassing to him and concerning to him and I didn't make fun of him or give him a hard time or brush it off as not a big deal. I really believe those little moments when he was young is why he's coming to me with the big stuff now. I set the standard that his thoughts and concerns matter even when they're small. And so he feels safe to tell me now that they're big. He felt heard because you listened. And I think that's so critical and important for us all to understand, even with the little things. Number three, being a good listener starts with you listening to God. Okay, so this sounds so cliche, but it's it's critical. I mean, it really is. If we just try to be a good listener on our own, we're going to fail because, I mean, we're just not. We're selfish people. We're human beings, right? It's all about us all the time. But when we really submit to God and that dying to self thought process Mm -hmm. and serving others, then listening becomes part of our normal DNA, you know? Um, And then when we try to seek God daily, we listen to Him, we read His Word, we walk in His Spirit. If we do all that, we are going to be better listeners um, because we're seeking Jesus in all of it. And listening is biblical. It's associated with being wise and continuously learning and growing as a person. In Proverbs 19.20, it says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. 
Well, and I love Proverbs 15:31 to Kim. It says, "If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise." Ooh, yes. My daughter gave me constructive criticism when she was 9. I took it to heart because I was trying to listen to Jesus. I was trying to say, "Lord, show me my shortcomings because I want to create this new culture in our home and I know that I'm the adult. I have to lead this thing. So what am I doing wrong? Like, what do I need to fix so that my kids really start talking to me about all these things? And I have found by listening to that constructive criticism from her, it's changed us. It's changed our relationship. It's made it better. It's changed my marriage. You know, it's changed my friendships because I've become a better person. I've become a better listener. I know now how better to invest in people. So just as a reminder wrap up, number one, listening gives you more information and context. Listening is learning. Number two, listening improves your relationships. Listening will make you a better parent. And three, being a good listener starts with you listening to God. 